Hi guys, this is Sexy Irish Sean, and I got a prediction for 2024. No, you don't, because we're going to talk over you, because I think our predictions are way more important than yours. In fact, we're going to turn off your mic so you can't talk. But I got this really great, great, great prediction for 2024 for, for board games and, and crowdfunding and Kickstarter and, and game founder stuff. No, 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 you can't talk. You got too much to say. Okay, fine, we'll let you talk. Okay, here is my prediction for 2024. It is... Game begin. Let's go. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his marketing level? It's over 9,000! What, 9,000? I must be using crowdfunding nerds. Amazing. Hey everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined, uh, I, I hope I can say as always, by Rick and Sean. Uh, Rick has um, been pretty consistent on our podcast now. This is episode number two in a row. <laughs> it's because I have Even. a working microphone. Also, I, okay. only, I only attend the most important podcast, so you know, if it's really important, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Rick, <laughs> I just like the sound of your sweet soprano voice. By far oh, my the voice is horrible. Voice. I hate listening to my voice. In fact, when I when I listen, sometimes I'll listen to the podcast uh, once they get published. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> I imagine that your real singing voice is like the uh, soprano singer from Pentatonix. You know the the really high soprano? voice dude. Whew. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Oh, I don't know if it's right. Soleil, <laughs> <laughs> well, my conspiracy theories are. Rick is actually being replaced by AI, and when you listen to him, you just listen to AI. He doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. Oh, Rick there is a, a crazy tool I found online, and it's legit. I'll have to, I'll have to, we'll have to share this in the notes. Uh, I have to find it again. But literally, um, it's a, um, it's a voice AI tool where it, it's generated like hundreds of voices with different accents and stuff like that. However, if you can take a minute of someone's voice and record it continuously, it will be able to recreate anything you, you type. So like you wow. can take some kind of famous like actor. And if you have a minute of their recording of, of them talking, it will take that and it'll be able to turn that into anything. And then you can just type what you want them to say and they'll say it. It is crazy. That's pretty. And that's pretty out wild. now today. Speaking of today, we have been on the air for three years. It's our three year anniversary. And guess what? We got to go over our horrible predictions from last year that we thought would happen. And we're going to go over our really cool predictions for 2024 because I got some really great ideas that I think are going to happen. And I'm just going to be number one next year, I think. Dang. Well, f- well, first of all, you're a week late. We did that. We, we, we reached our three year anniversary last week. Close so, enough. But, um, you know. <laughs> so, it's all recorded on the uh, same day. The real Richie would have known <laughs> that. AI Rick. Yeah, yeah, Rick, AI Rick, can you please say all your base are belong to us? All anyway. your base are belong to us. All right. I don't even get so that thing, episode, that, that meme. Yeah, it's, it's, it's from an old Japanese game that was just horribly translated. Um, so it was, it became a thing. But it um, Atari's ET? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's uh so anyway, let's let's dive into this episode. On this episode, we are going to discuss our predictions that we made for the year 2023 that you know that that is now in its final week and our predictions for 2024. So we're going to take a look back and a look forward 
Uh, we'll talk about our favorite moments from 23 memorable, you know, memorable moments and, and that kind of thing. And then we'll probably fight about politics a little bit because next year's an election year. Um, and so uh, hopefully Ross Thompson from episode 102 with his uh, how to talk about politics on the internet. Um, hopefully we retain some of that information so that we um, are, I don't know, very, uh, so that we still have listeners next week. <laughs> Is that the right way to say it? <laughs> All right. So let's get into our predictions. Um, we had, so I, I had two, I think each of us had two predictions and I had, no, Sean only had one and I had three. So I guess we'll start off with me because I am, I talked the most last, last year. Sean's got more than one. It was just mistyped. You can't have uh, two number ones. <laughs> We're looking at our, our, our notes from last year's uh, um, show notes for the, for the episode. And it said one of them is why Sean uses RSS. Do you still use RSS, Sean? Yes. Ah, mm. you're very uh, complacent. It's it's the way that you get information without algorithm, which means you can't be censored. Yeah, thinking ahead. So, okay. <laughs> so so okay, let's get into predictions. Uh, pr- uh, my from last year. My prediction number one was that manufacturing is going to stay in China. The reason that I made that prediction was because. Uh, you're crazy if you manufacture anywhere else other than China, but in, uh, so this was at the end of 2022 that, that we made these predictions and everybody had just been dealing with this insane shipping spike and everybody's begging for a way to ship or to, uh, to manufacture things outside of China. There are a few places that can do that. Uh, Ludo fact is in, is based out of Germany. We've got other manufacturers like, uh, Delano in the U S We've got others that make, um, you know, like playing cards like Magic uh, uses a U.S., a European, uh, other um, kind of manufacturing hubs for their cards. But uh, the major- the vast majority of manufacturing is going to stay in China. This is my prediction, and it is true. I get a point. Um, I grant myself one point. Uh, actually, let's make it five because I run this podcast and I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> So yeah, manufacturing is absolutely staying in China because I mean they're the dominant toy and game manufacturing country. They're just so well set up for it. If you if you go to China, you have regions of China that are based that are that are actually set up for like specific types of uh like materials. So one region of China is set up to manufacture steel, another region plastic, another region paper cardstock another region you know etc and um that's something that i was really surprised to learn as we manufactured um our game but um it's it's you know factories in china often outsource things like the most common things would be like miniatures when you have to do a set of miniatures for your game the factory itself will do all the paper things but they'll outsource to a steel mold uh, a company that will uh, make that will machine out your steel molds. But before that, they actually need to make what are called the master molds, which are like a plastic tooling company. And oftentimes these are in entirely separate regions. And the reason I know this is because um, Hirsch uh, from uh, Hirsch Glick from uh, Hero I Time. Guess, yeah, from Hero Time, he he actually walked into a, a miniature like a steel mold uh, miniature making factory that had deliverance minis as their, um, you know, the, the, in, in their case of 
minis they were proud of to to show off and whatnot. And um, so it's, it's kind of a, a cool thing. But anyway, manufacturing is going to stay in China. I believe manufacturing will um, in the short term continue, well, always stay in China. I mean, it's not, you know, 50 years from now, who knows um, if we'll even have, I think we'll have global thermonuclear war within 50 years. But um, before that, I believe manufacturing is going to stay in China. And we might have global thermonuclear war over like China deciding to stop sending to stop sending toys uh, to the U.S. I think, um, but that's I think manufacturing is going to stay in China for the near future and the far future. Yeah, I think there'll be a few games that will be more um, green based <laughs> that will come out. The problem is, is a lot of people want to make their games green, but when they find out how much the it, the cost is to make it green, then they realize they wouldn't be able to sell it because people wouldn't pay, you know, the amount of money required to keep it green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In if you want to manufacture outside of China, you basically are limiting yourself to wooden components and uh, paper components. That's it. So um, if you want anything plastic dice or miniatures or, you know, you name it, then you are manufacturing in China or you're outsourcing uh, to a company that will pull that will, I'm sorry, you're, you're using a company that will outsource products from China. So um, you'll be manufacturing in China. So that one, <laughs> I guess, is kind of a, a quick one. Rick, what's um, your, I mean, your first well, prediction? What, my, one of my predictions last year was that uh, manufacturing costs will go up, but backers will go down. I think that's a, you'll have to give me like a two and a half or two, two stars on that one. Because I think uh, uh, manufacturing costs did go up. And but the backers went up. Um, there's actually we did have a bad economy this last year. Um, however, um, I think disposable income is still high, and I believe that more disposable income is is coming because the economy is getting better. Um, because of that, to continue on with this prediction, um, I still believe that um, there will be economic global economic factors next year. There'll still be supply chain disruptions next year. And there'll still be rising production costs next year. So costs will continue to go up next year. However, backers will also continue to go up. Yeah, I, I actually agree with this. I think that um, what what we found was, so there was a recent article that was uh, published in, in a lot of different places. Uh, you know, it talked about Asmodee, I believe, or no, 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 Hasbro cut 1,100 employees off of their um, various lines and reported like an overall 5% income increase. They noticed a, they, they actually had a significant loss for, uh, in the mass market sector, but their, uh, you know, their magic gathering dungeons and dragons and their, their kind of their hobby level games, um, all did amazingly. I think they had a 40% increase in revenue from D and D magic the gathering and and those types of uh their their other properties um so hobby level games are in my view becoming more widely adopted and that's that's actually i i'm going to piggyback on rick's prediction and say that my first prediction for next year is that we're going to have more people playing hobby level games and that uh overall board game sales are going to increase due to, or, or we'll say tabletop games, due to like more RPGs uh, being played and more hobby level games. What I mean by that is, you know, mass market versus hobby games on, you know, Kickstarter games with miniatures, games with big, 
chonky rules and epic playtimes are going to increase. Um, Ooh, so. my, uh, <laughs> my prediction was actually the opposite on that part. Um, I believe, um, I actually wrote this down because I have my little list. I believe that games actually this next year are going to switch to more faster streamlined because people will want quicker gaming experiences because they don't have the time to play. In fact, solo games, I think, will go way up this next year because there's people, you know, people have a busy life and they can't get people together at the same time. I, I, I'm i in a club and, we, you know, a couple of years ago, it was easy for all of us to get together at the same time. Now it's like we can't get anyone together at the same time. So I think that quicker games and solo gaming is going to be be in vogue next year and not okay. longer games. So we'll have to see who wins on that one. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I do I do tend to agree about solo games. But go ahead, Sean. In terms of backers going up, I think Nemesis has been a great example of this. Uh, their recent project on GameFound has 41,000 backers. 41,000 mm-hmm. individual backers, which is... Uh, sort of mind-boggling, especially on an alternative platform to Kickstarter, GameFound, yep. it was able to yep. garner so many. So my, actually, one of my predictions is that I, I believe that GameFound is going to take up more of the hobby board game space market share from Kickstarter, and we're going to start mm-hmm. seeing more of these type of campaigns on GameFound do successfully. Um, yep. And if you look at the, the recent projects this year, uh, GameFound has just smashed it out the water with this campaign. I think they've paved the way. They've shown people what's possible on GameFound. Like, look, you can do mm-hmm. it here too. And I think there's going to be less and less reasons to go to Kickstarter and start on a platform which is maybe less noisy. That's it's easier to be found and spotted. It's got all these built-in tools that are going to be helpful for you. So, my my one prediction for next year is that GameFound is going to take more of the market share out of Kickstarter. We're going to start seeing more people move over to GameFound. And Kickstarter, I think it's still, Kickstarter is still going to be there. But I think it's going to lose its umph. I do think that GameFound is going to become increasingly, it's going to increasingly become a place where board gamers go to find the latest games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I'll say um, there's so uh, before um, Awaken Realms moved all of their stuff to GameFound, they ran Nemesis campaigns on. Um, Kickstarter and I could be completely crazy, but I thought they ran like two of them on Kickstarter first. I, it might, it might've been one and uh, that was a huge one, huge, huge. And uh, this was back in, I want to say 2020, they ran nemesis lockdown that actually had 41,900 backers. Now this nemesis retaliation that they just ran on game found had how many 41,408, but the first campaign in Kickstarter made like 5 million and this one made over 12 million. It, it's like the third largest project ever behind kingdom death monster and um, uh, whatever that uh, frost, even of course. Um, but uh, I, I think that the, the average spend was like $123 per backer um, on the first one. And this one was like close to $300 a backer, $294 Ooh. per backer, just nuts. money. Yeah, so they they what they were doing is they were capitalizing on everybody knowing about Nemesis and just jumping on it. And they they ran, you know, really uh to me it was uh, I believe it was funded on the 23rd of November and that I want to say am I crazy that that was like Thanksgiving Day? It it ended on Thanksgiving Day. So they they ended it at the 
in theory, like the worst time ever. Um, I think they ran the campaign for a shorter duration. They ended it at, at allegedly the worst time ever, but Awaken Realms dominates the holidays. You know, I think that they could run their campaigns at, uh, at any time of the year, but the holidays do really, really well. Um, so what surprised me is that the number of the, the amount that backers were paying was just like crazy. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, it did less as far as the backer count um, than on Kickstarter, but I, I'm just incredibly impressed that GameFound was able to basically match. I mean, it's 500 backers different. They made a whole lot more money. They, uh, you know, this is definitely a better, um, you know, a m- more successful campaign overall. <laughs> but I guess you're, I, I think that you're right. And I, I would say that the, that GameFound is just going to continue to become more and more of a, a threat to Kickstarter's uh, number one status. So well, let's put this in a bit of context. So if you look at tip-top analytics, you can look at Awaken Realms. Out of all their projects, so their first project was in 2016, all the way up to 2020, they raised a total of $30 million. Whilst this one campaign <laughs> has raised 12 million, nearly, nearly half of everything they've ever raised on Kickstarter they've yep. done in this one campaign. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, like, it's like going to a, a game stadium, going to this large stadium to watch your favorite team play, getting there, and it's their game in the middle. <laughs> 40,000 fans! All paying ridiculous like boxing boxing prices to to watch uh, to watch the game <laughs> play. <laughs> yeah, and what's uh, what's really epic to me is that you had a ton of people jumping into that nine hundred dollar pledge. I want to say there are over five hundred people that jumped into the buy everything that Awaken Realms ever made for Nemesis pledge, and uh, that that is a ton of people. I mean, they had a lot of new people jump in for Nemesis. Um, you know, with this with this campaign, which is really great. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really cool. And actually, um, I had a prediction last year that Kickstarter is going to continue to lose traffic to backer kit in game found. I, I will say the way I look at this, I think I was like half right. Um, backer kit, I don't think has really taken market share other than they've taken creators from, from Kickstarter. Uh, so Isaac Childers with Gloomhaven, uh, they ran a cam- they ran a campaign with Backerkit. I believe the Spirit Island people run with Backerkit. Um, I don't think that 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 there are people that exclusively shop on Backerkit, though. I do think that there are people that exclusively shop on GameFound now, and so I would say that Kickstarter has not lost traffic to Backerkit. But they have lost um, some market share because creators are moving over and bringing their audiences and whatnot. But I would wager that the vast majority of those people also will check Kickstarter or will be exposed to Kickstarter stuff. I think that GameFound is kind of generating its own fan base and its its own, um, I don't know, like it's it, a reputation. Like you, you cannot really, and I say this with, you know, knowing that I could possibly be wrong, but I don't think you'd really want to go to GameFound to fund a party game. But you would definitely want to go to GameFound to, you know, fund like for you know a, a big, chonky dungeon crawler or a you know just a large high price point you know epic game. I think GameFound is kind of being becoming known for things like that. Like the Isofarian Guard reprinted their uh, their game on uh, GameFound. We had um, 
Planet Unknown went to Game Found for their reprint and did really well. Um, you know, you've got a lot of different, you know, large projects coming to Game Found. Chip Theory Games is on Game Found. Uh, you know, they they went with uh, their Elder Scrolls game. Um, and so I, I think that Game Found is actually really starting to eat into Kickstarter's market share. I know that Kickstarter, it's possible that Kickstarter could have had a larger campaign, um, you know, with Nemesis. I actually don't think they they would have. I, I really think that GameFound is kind of starting to solidify its position um, as, as said, like a serious player. Right now, back mm-hmm. as a project on called the MCDM RPG. Mm-hmm. It's a tabletop role-playing game that's raised $3 million with 15 days still to go with over 20,000 backers, mm-hmm. which is incredible for a tabletop role-playing game. So backer kit has some, has some oomph. You know, I don't want to, don't want to write it off, but um, yeah, certainly I don't think it's, it's been the next game found, but uh, this is certainly a, a contender, particularly for opening games. Maybe they will call out a niche in a certain demographic of games, or maybe that's where all the tabletop games will go, or tabletop role-playing games will go. Yep. I, I got a prediction that actually sort of lines up with all this. So let's see what you guys think. This one, okay. this one's really out there, but I think it's going to happen. Um, I wrote this down. This is one of my first things I wrote down because I, I, I figured. So someone, someone at Kickstarter is going to be like, "Hey, let's change our fee structure," and it's going to impact big time. And either it's going to cause people to stay on Kickstarter, or what I think is going to happen is they're all going to go to the other platforms because of these fees. So I think I think they're going to do some fee changes next year. I think people are going to get sick of it, and they're going to go either to Backerkit or GameFound. And that's going to solidify GameFound definitely, and of course bring up BackerKit. I think it's going to cause Kickstarter to sort of drop and no longer be that powerhouse. What do you guys think of that? Well, what I would say, I'm not entirely sure because Kickstarter is sort of a strange company. It's not a for-profit corporation. It's for the public good. Is how it's set up. So it's kind of it's got <laughs> that's what they it's say. Kind of got, it's, yeah, well, it's kind of got this activist arm. So I think, and I think they, they've they've made so much money through other channels that board games, tabletop games, is, they're not really too reliant on it. Um, like I, just What I'm saying is I think if they lost all the tabletop gaming space, I think they'd still be fine as a platform because everything else is there. Um, so I'm not entirely sure if a, a fee structure will uh, really be detrimental to them or if they would even consider increasing it because I don't know if profit-making is the, the core of their sort of ideology as a company. I think it's yeah, important, I, I think, but I, I disagree I with it's... this. I, I do think I, I, I see what I see what point you're getting at, but I do think that Kickstarter is at the end of the day has to make money and and I, I think that they're um more they they were more of an ideologue company when the former CEO was in charge. And I think that now that the new CEO, I think his name is Everett Taylor, um came in there's a focus back to kind of the grassroots of helping creators bring projects to life. And they've kind of taken a step back from uh, being so political and, and whatnot. Um, So I think that, and, and they're doing things to try to catch up and compete with game found, like new projects have um, anchor links, you know, like game found had this really cool thing that they did on the story page on the left of a game found campaign where you get to see, the various links like stretch goals, add-ons, reviews, and, um, you know, risks and challenges and other things like that. And um, so the various sections 
they had anchor links and Kickstarter has now added that. And so I think Kickstarter is really trying to compete to retain their board game audience. I will say that uh, last I looked, it was about uh, 38% of Kickstarter's revenue last year, which was, well, the last year that I looked, I haven't looked this year, uh, $220 million uh, was what they raised for creators. And they take 5% of that. I think that that would be devastating if they were to lose that and um, that they, they, they're going to fight really hard to, to keep it. But um, you know, that, that said, I mean, they make, you know, 440 million from other avenues. So I, I would wager to say that they wouldn't ruin them, but one day I do think that they're going to admit defeat to game found in uh, the board game space. And they'll, you know, I don't know, probably just uh, have to lick their wounds and accept the the loss. You know, there's going to come a time, I think, of a a critical mass change to uh, from from Kickstarter being the main board game place to GameFound being the main board game place, which I guess could be a prediction. I don't think it'll happen next year, though. Um, So but I do think that GameFound is going to continue to assert dominance in the to to take away market share until they become the dominant force in board games um, for so, hobby level board games. So I have another prediction. I predict that in okay. twenty twenty four. I have I have I I uh, I <laughs> wanted to respond to Rick because I know what I wanted to say. I completely forgot and <laughs> don't want to. Rick came back on. <laughs> yes. So the um now the the price structure thing. I think that it would be a huge mistake for Kickstarter to do that. And I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility for Kickstarter to reevaluate their fees and, and that kind of thing. Um, we actually recently saw Unity did this in uh, the video game space, and they experienced yeah. a massive problem, a uh, mass exodus from u- people using Unity. Uh, th- so basically what they did was they said, all right, we're going to charge you guys um, monthly for the, the number of downloads or whatever. And if you make over a certain amount, then our fees are going to kick in our extra fees are going to kick in. And then we're going to, um, you know, if you make a bunch, then our fees will be, you know, the extra fee that you receive is going to be a smaller percentage of the overall game. But they, they basically did it because they wanted to make more money from the people using their, their server or their, their software. They were under the impression that people had no viable alternative or that the alternative was too painful to switch. Well, it turns out that, uh, that CEO is, is, uh, spending more time with his family and is no longer the CEO of the company. Um, but yeah, so he got, he got his butt kicked out and now a new guy is like, Hey, uh, let's, let's, uh, uh, throttle back on all those changes we were promising. But of course the damage is done. And now unity is experiencing some serious layoffs, uh, because there are fewer people buying their stuff. Now this happened with uh, very similar happened this year with wizards of the coast and their dungeons and dragons um mm-hmm. their attempt to revoke the what is it called the open gaming license this happened yes. earlier this year and uh you know it's crazy that 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 was this year that that happened um people understood like i, I feel like the consumer has never been more powerful uh, than than now and uh and that was really on display with both unity and wizards of the coast where people just rebelled against, against the, the man for increasing prices beyond. It also what happened this year with Reddit. I believe they wanted to bring some type of charge for developers using their API. 
which was mm. going to be just ridiculously expensive. And a lot of moderators use it to help moderate. So it basically, I think there's like all these moderators putting their, oh, yeah, it was a strike. Talk, yeah, putting them yeah. in private and kind of like a forced change. So they also try to do something like that. Wow. I remember big subreddits like the art subreddit and other things like that were, were put on private and just basically shut off. Um, so Reddit's mo like whatever their ad revenue just dropped like through the floor. Um, that's pretty wild. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, didn't, didn't, uh, when, when Reddit had that big, uh, Reddit, Reddit Armageddon where everyone was going private because they didn't, didn't like their fees. Um, didn't like Reddit, like pretty much tell them that if they don't go public, they'll replace them. Like, wasn't that on the table? I think at one time, I think so. And they said that they're going to replace mods and that kind of thing. But I, I don't know. I mean, I still, I don't really understand how much mods get paid for large subreddits, but I figure you would probably need to be willing to do it. You probably need to want to do that. I, I, I think don't get paid for my subreddit. From it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's <Yeah>. no money. <laughs> they get paid in power and yeah. feeling like they're a, just a God amongst peons. Mere mortals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, one more side note, which is sort of in the line. Sorry, Sean, we're just pushing you away. You don't get any predictions in this episode. Um, so this year, the original Mickey Mouse loses his trademark <laughs> and copyright protection. Um, the original, the first two, the first two Mickey Mouse shows, um, the artwork and stuff is no longer, his image in those shows is no longer protected. So. <laughs> I oh. think there's going to be a Mickey Mouse board game coming out of Kickstarter <laughs> or GameFound or something where he, you know, he's on the Steamboat Willie. Steamboat Willie is yep. going to uh, <laughs> be out there. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I, I have a feeling that Disney is is just ready for lawsuits because that's well, not something that they're going to. Well, what's weird is Oswald, which was the original original before Mickey, Walt's first mm -hmm. creation or known first known creation. They made a new show or movie. I can't remember if it was a new show or movie um, to protect his copyright. <laughs> so they actually just recently released a new show or movie with with the character as he was um, to to re redo the copyright protection on that. But they didn't do it for the original Mickey Mouse. So I thought that was really interesting. Well, I guess it, it's always something that could happen, but maybe Mickey is not the the draw maybe he's it's, well known but he's not the draw i i think it's sort of like winnie the pooh because i believe some of the characters in winnie the pooh yeah. lost their protection and of course there's that mm -hmm. new weird scary movie that everyone talks about that i haven't seen yet that's out yeah. there somewhere a guy wearing a <laughs> winnie the pooh furry costume that kills people so i pretty much spoiled it um i, I think we should let sean is. talk now sean, okay, yeah, sean, <laughs> predict <laughs> something <laughs> <laughs> my prediction for 2024 is that deliverance is going to be once again number one on the hotness list for board game geek i i have a feeling that when andrew goes to deliver uh, kickstarter or game found again with deliverance and he runs a competition and his community is engaged on the platform i think deliverance is going to hit that number one spot once again and we'll be there for a couple of days. So that's my one prediction for 2024. Okay. Well, Go hot list. I hope, I hope it happens. Yeah. I, I, uh, we, we hit the, the number one hotness. We did a contest and then we got popular because of a um, bunch of different threads. And we currently are still, you know, hot for uh, on, on uh, board game geek with various reviews and that kind of thing. So that's cool. We're definitely developing more of a fan uh, fan base there, which is, which was super hard to do. 
I just felt like our fans were not on board game geek um, early on. And we had to like earn them. And I felt like we finally earned, we finally started to earn fans on board game geek when our product was available for purchase um, instead of, you know, like from Kickstarter. And so that was, uh, that was an interesting thing to learn. Um, which I don't but, think is the same for everybody, but it was, yeah. It was a, we also it was have systems, one. right? So I think at the end of the, the campaign, there's a link to go to Board Game Geek and mm-hmm. you encourage people to leave reviews. So I think when people have played the game, they're excited, they want to leave a review, you kind of mm-hmm. say, oh, you can do it here. And then they're, they're creating accounts and they're getting into the Board Game Geek system that yeah. way. Yeah. I'm going to create you know, a one-star review because I don't think any of the real reviews are legit, just to balance it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, that was Sounds interesting, <laughs> you know, um, when, when, uh, so we're going to go back to Kickstarter this year and, uh, I'm, I'm predicting over the summers kind of what we're targeting at least. But, um, when we went to Kickstarter last year, we or I mean, in, uh, 2021, we had, uh, we competed against the Witcher old world. And that was an extremely popular campaign. It had that had like 45,000 backers and it made almost $7 million or, or something around there. And, um, it was, it, it was kind of a similar fantasy dungeon crawl. Uh, and we had, uh, some backers come over from the Witcher, but I I would say like the vast majority of people because Witcher was well known and it was made by a company that had, uh, actually produced board games before. Um, you know, not like any huge, huge board games, but they, they were, you know, proven to deliver and all of that. We just, with the big IP, we, we were just like small fry in, in the, in the, in the pond. And so what I want to be is I want to be like the big juggernaut campaign that everyone's like, Oh, I don't want to launch on Kickstarter when deliverance launches. And uh, I don't know that that's going to happen for this next one, but I think my hope is that, you know, we aren't going to be uh, competing directly with uh, a big ip in a similar niche like uh the witcher you know i'm have you surprised on kickstarter i have not I, i'm not sure about game fund or kickstarter it's gotta yet. wait for those 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 fees to change first and then he'll decide yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i'm surprised maybe i'm wrong because i don't i'm not I, I i'm a little hermit and i stay in my room and i do my little things i do my rick things um i'm surprised there's not like a website out there there probably is but maybe it's not just not well known that actually goes over all the launch dates for for those things. Like for example, like when I when I did affiliate marketing, uh, affiliate marketers didn't want to like same thing. They didn't want to overstep or you know be in front of like a big thing or if they're you know things like that. So there were actually there was a calendar where people would go to and they'd say, "Hey, I'm doing this on this date," and people would post all their different uh, marketing dates when they were launching their products. Is there something similar like that uh, uh, for uh, board game crowdfunding or no? Well, there there are a couple of places that you know, will allow you to post your, your event when you're going to crowdfunding and that kind of thing. But the, the problem that I, that I think there is with this is that the big companies don't post. Um, and there's, it's not like there's any money in helping everybody understand what, what companies are post are, are launching when. So you guys, you got guys like Simon, chip theory games and, you know, orange nebula and all of the big companies that, that don't need to post this information. So a lot of the time you you have um smaller publishers sharing but the the big projects that are the really big draws um they are oftentimes 
uh, just unknown. I mean, you know, these companies will announce when they're they're going to Kickstarter or GameFound or whatever, and their fans will get that information. But a lot of the time, a new creator with a similar game type is not necessarily going to even know who that company is. And um, so it's like, it's it's almost like you're a blind person throwing darts at a dartboard at the same time as all of the big publishers throwing their bigger darts at, at the same dartboard. <laughs> I you think know? I think it works so well in the affiliate marketing uh, niche industry because even the big guys would need to build their community for people to you know sell their product. So if you were an affiliate already for this for the for the bigger community. They had already tell you like when they're launching their products. You even the big you would know when the big guys were going as well as the as the little guys. Awesome. Well, then uh, let me let me make a, a quick prediction as a piggyback. I predict we make a million dollars on a deliverance campaign this this year. <laughs> there you go. My big hairy audacious goal. Um, carry on, Sean. Cool. <laughs> my my next predict, prediction is I think we're going to start seeing more religious themed board games coming to the market. I think this is going to be because people are going to uh, see the success of things like Deliverance, The Flood by Bedouin Games, the Nehemiah game that's just come out. I know mm-hmm. Bedouin Games, uh, the creators of The Flood, they've got quite a few biblical-themed board games in the works. So I think as more of these games come out and frankly, tapping into demographics that are unreached and bringing in more people into the hobby space, I think there's going to be a growing desire for religious themed games. So that's my sort of prediction for 2023. I don't know if they'll come to market by 2023, but uh, sorry, 2024. But I, I certainly believe that we're going to start seeing more of them pop up and start a lot of them being marketed or at least being produced. So that'll be interesting to see how that all develops. Yeah, that um, it's interesting to see there. It seems like the general community, it has it historically always been very, kind of against real world religion in hobby board games. Um, a lot of the time, I think a lot of the reason for that is because we, when we play games, it's to enjoy a fantasy. It's to kind of separate ourselves from reality for a little bit, enjoy fantasy. And so I think there's this natural inclination to avoid real world topics, you know, politics, religion, and other things like that and be united at the table. So we're, we might be involved in politics, but it's in a big space opera where I'm this alien race and you're that alien race and we're playing, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, it's just at the end of the day, so we can be friends. Right. Um, and, and just be, uh, better friends than we were when we sat down, which is why I highly recommend against playing things like Monopoly. Um, or it's, it's funny. Cause like in space games, you know, like you said, they, 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 they like sort of slide the politics in there. It's like, it's not politics, the corporations, <laughs> and each corporation has their thing. That's, that's how they mm-hmm. do it in space games. It's always, you're, you have to join a corporation, and that's that's yeah. your uh, that's your political side. <laughs> Cryptocracy. <laughs> you know, um, I I have a a prediction um, related that I that I'd like to get in here uh, related to some some of this like fringe related. So next year is going to be a an election year for the the president of the United States, and a lot of you know a lot of other smaller elections and whatnot happening too. You know, in the the Senate and the House, I. I've, you know, there's this, um, anyway, it's just, it's just going to be a, a crazy year. I think that, uh, next year will be absolutely crazy for politics, but, um, I think that there will be the beginnings of an economic bounce back next year. I think that we're going to start to see, 
Um, certainly this administration, the Biden administration is going to try to make themselves look good um, for the upcoming, you know, really for, so the Democrats can have a compelling case, make a compelling case for uh, why that party should be reelected into power. And um, I think that we're going to see just in general, the, the, uh, the normies uh, like all of us are going to see, our, our money is going to start to go a little bit further. Inflation is going to start to shrink a little bit more. And then uh, certainly I, I think that if there happened to be a switch, if uh, like JFK wins because he's running independent, uh, which I think is a, a true threat or, you know, a crazy Trump is going to win or whatever. I think that there might be more cities burned down, but I really do think that there is going to be, no matter who sits in that seat, an economic bounce back that begins next year um that's how i started now bounce back economy there we go so (laughs) i i guess i'm already right um the uh (laughs) so uh i think as a result we're gonna see overall board game sales in the hobby space up like people are gonna spend more money on experience they love experiences board games are a perfect uh fit for that for that, that hunger, you know, people are constantly looking for new experiences. I think new people are going to get into the hobby, um, which a lot of people have this year. It's definitely grown a lot. Um, just from Hasbro's numbers, it looks really, really good for, for hobby level board games, but, um, Asmodee as well. And I think that we're going to continue to see higher, uh, like, like more spenders on, um, Kickstarter and more people, getting into that hobby space with uh, more disposable income. Um, I do not think that we will hit any kind of uh, ceiling or, you know, market maturity. I think that, you know, crowdfunding is getting kind of, is becoming a more mature market, but I think that the overall board game space is going to be, there's just going to be more and more demand. And I think that the Mm. big bottleneck is still the distributors, you know, you distributors aren't going to, um, take new people on, but there are new people that are going to make great games that people want. And I think that the direct, the only direct route at the moment is through crowdfunding, unless you wanted to um, get, you know, unless you have a, a bunch of money backing you or distributors placing big orders like, or, or target or whatever. So I think that that's going to be, um, so there, that's, there you go. That's, that's a big prediction of mine. <laughs> um uh, now it's funny. I wrote this down as a prediction, but I don't really like it. I'm not a fan of it. But board games are going to have more digital experiences. Um, some of them you already seen have had apps. I think there's going to be more apps out there for games. Maybe it will be interactive websites. Maybe possibly. I don't know if this has happened yet. Maybe you guys will know because you guys look at games more than I do. Augmented reality board games. That that I think might happen. We've seen some this, of that. 2024. There was a really cool project, an augmented reality uh, deck of cards for Dungeons and Dragons that would be like augmented reality spells, uh, like Fireball or whatever. And that's that was kind of a cool project. I think it made a, a fair bit of money. Um, yeah, I think with the uh, prices of the you know the headsets going down, you know mm-hmm. from the different brands, I think that might be a a someone's going to do something with it this year with a board game. I think. Yeah, I, I uh, so there is a website called boardgamearena.com, and that is something that is, uh, it's it's you know similar to something like tabletop simulator where you have, uh, you're able to have a digital board game experience, um, uh, just through your desktop. But you can actually, um, so you you uh, programmers develop games for this, 
So you don't have to remember all the rules or remember, oh, there's a new passive effect I have to keep in mind. The game will remember that for you and will automatically take the AI. The AI you know, can be programmed and will take turns and that kind of thing. And uh, we're actually developing deliverance for Board Game Arena right now. Uh, but it is like, it's just way larger, way larger than Tabletop Simulator as far as the audience that plays there. And um, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that trying you know just ways publishers are constantly trying to find ways to integrate a you know an analog board game with like a digital experience i, I think that's 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 true and speaking of digital experience one more thing i think uh twitch is going to become uh a more prominent when it comes to uh, promoting uh crowdfunding games as opposed to well i mean youtube will still be big but i think twitch uh, i think it's, there's gonna be more live uh, streams of people trying out games for the first time and stuff and uh you know connecting people to crowdfunding games online that would be nice all we need is just a big personality <laughs> so the the augmented uh, game we marketed was augmented arcana I could link in the show notes if you're interested in that okay. i'm not too sure about twitch i don't know if you've seen the controversy around that lately in terms of their nudity policy oh no I, it's, no, it's turning the platform is turning more and more into a sort of an adult content website let's say what's so, what's that what's that one everyone has a website on or page on uh only fans <laughs> twitch twitch only fans <laughs> yeah, well, it's essentially becoming one of those websites so i don't think it's going to last too long because it's it's becoming less game focused and more um other things folks <laughs> other things focused <laughs> so i don't think there's much of a future on twitter Ooh. if i'm going to be honest i don't know they uh i mean they seemed i mean they're pushing more well actually uh youtube is now too which is interesting um I watch a lot of YouTube. I have a YouTube premium account. Um, that's my entertainment. I don't have Netflix and stuff, so I just use YouTube because I figure there's more more weirdos out there that I can watch and entertain myself with on YouTube than there is on Netflix. And in their live section, they focus heavily on gaming now. There's a whole gaming section in their live section or live uh, video market. Yeah. Um, so This is why I, I only YouTube's teach millennial and Gen Z stinky boys um, on Twitter. I don't know what those are. They're just stinky dudes that uh, I, play games and are. What about uh, as was it Asmongol? I used to I used to watch him all the time. Is it, I can't say his name right. As Asmongol, yeah. cool. As He's a stinky, yeah. stinky millennial boy. Uh, I love. He's watching like. Him. Uh, <laughs> I used to watch him. That's about. That's like the only thing I used to stream on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So let's see. Um, Anything else, Sean? Okay. <laughs> Before we cut you off again. <laughs> Any other projections? All right, so I think I, all I got I covered. One more. Uh, so I had one small one about Lorcana. I think Lorcana is going to continue. And by the way, I think that's evidence of um, just people loving um, hobby level games. I think that's actually going to bring a lot of people into the hobby that just love Disney and their various IPs and uh, wouldn't be interested in any kind of other game. But because it's Disney, they're they're all over it, and then they're going to get more comfortable with with hobby board game mechanics and i think they'll stick around but um so that's one thing i still think they're going to be number two to magic no one's gonna no one's gonna be <laughs> um but, uh, the only person who will dethrone magic is magic and they're just doing a really great job disney this last year in 2023 and probably of course in 2024 has gone hardcore on bringing their ip out into the gaming niche so you know for example the, the big one of course is lorcana 
And I'm actually excited because um, Ravensburger that that produces the game and creates the cards, they've started to catch up on demand. And so prices are no longer like 10x for some of these uh, these cards and packs. In fact, I was, I was happy because I got on Amazon and they had a uh, sort of like a lottery to get the uh, the next chapter two of the cards. And I got yep. two out of the three and I paid retail price. I'm so excited about that. Didn't pay 10x. Um, but they've also, I don't know if you've looked, I go to Barnes & Noble a lot, which is a, a large bookseller here. I think they're all over the nation. Um, and they have they have a gaming section. And there's like a dozen different Disney games in the board game section there. Also mm-hmm. online, um, I play a lot, of, a lot of games online. They have their, is it Dreamlight Valley or something like that? They have a, mm-hmm. they have a interactive game. They just released a racing, a free racing game with, with paid... Uh, you know, add-ons and whatnot is, is online now as well. And I think there's another game that you're just now getting ready to release. So, you know, you know, video gaming, board gaming, card gaming, they're hitting like the gaming market pretty hard this year. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I, I guess in, in the interest of time, we'll probably move on. I have one more, one more prediction I'd love to add in there. And then I want to talk about the memorable moments for the year. So, Last quick prediction from me is AI is going to make is to going to continue to make waves in the in the uh, board game space and is going to continue to generally be garbage. Um, I think that uh, artists are going to continue to be in high demand. Good artists are going to continue to be in high demand, and that the um, general like crowdfunding market is going to largely reject AI. Like uh, we'll say cheesy, improper, quick and dirty use of AI in games. I think that, uh, you know, people will, creators will use AI that do not have expertise to really kind of make those AI pieces um, into finished products. And they will continue to get shut down, not only by companies like Kickstarter GameFound, but by the audiences themselves that say, that suss out, oh, this is AI art and it's, um, you know, it's unacceptable kind of thing. I think that the we're seeing audiences generally um, oppose this, like general audiences. So, um, and I think we'll see that continue. So then, okay. One uh, before before we end, let's talk about memorable moments from this last year. Um, do any of you guys have like a a memorable moment? Richard, did anything meaningful happen to you in this last year that? that uh nah not really <laughs> did you make anyone else's year i got memorable? was it this year where i got eaten in the woods <laughs> was that like, i can't i get them all it's, it's weird because it's not like i mean i know in december is when pretty much our years start and you know end that's when we sort of started is right at the beginning of december our middle of december but it all like like I said, I can remember the first our first recording, like you know, like it wasn't that long ago. So like they all sort of mesh up. So I can't I get confused on you know if something I'm remembering is from a couple of years ago or last year. Uh, well, but, I'm I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of a special lady who might or might not be listening to this, and you you uh, you upended her world this year, didn't you? Uh, I, it was a year ago. It was exactly a year. It was on Christmas Day. So oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when this is being aired but it was on pretty much will be a year ago i think it's we're being aired on christmas day yeah so christmas day uh yeah i proposed to uh 
Julie, and we are in the process of going through uh, the the fun, uh, get to know each other more, and get married. <laughs> Congratulations! That was that was memorable for me. Um, so, uh, Sean, what's yours? I was supposed to bring Jacob on. That was sort of a, I think it was a big achievement this year, and it's just it's good to have an extra hand on the helm, so to speak. And business has grown as well. He has. He was really needed to to come in and take on, um, and I think our our original plan was that bringing him on would free me up to do other things, which it didn't because we just continued to be busy, and that's sort of where we are, which is which is good. Um, but I, I yeah, I'm just really thankful that he's been able to join us full time at last because I know he was working part time for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I think yeah. the other thing is just I created a I sort of created this new this more internally for us uh, a system in which we can onboard clients faster through a form and spreadsheet system, which is going to save all of us a lot of manual work. So I'm excited to see that starting to be used more in, um, in 20, being used more in 2024. And I think it's really going to just help us internally be able to yeah. process things faster and, uh, you know, be able to serve our clients in a more efficient way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, um, so I had, I had uh, two uh, very memorable moments, both, you know, I guess kind of blended uh, personal and whatnot. But, um, you know, the birth of my son was pretty awesome. It was our first home birth. And holy cow, I was so scared because, you know, it, it's our child number seven. And my wife just, she's she's so good about, you know, having babies and everything like that. But uh, it was extremely memorable because it was so uneventful. And immediately as soon as it was over, we were in our house and it was like such peace and it was incredible that that like i would i mean i if you're considering a home birth i highly recommend it it was it was really really great uh but i don't know if i would do it for my very first baby i just it's just you know it's always scary but um that was extremely memorable for all the the right reasons praise lord and uh and then of course the 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 actual release of deliverance i you know the thing that i that i worked mm for over seven years, like seven and a half years. And uh, finally, people outside of, you know, my physical arms reach playgroup got to experience the physical game itself and, uh, and just judge it on its own. And um, it's uh, currently on board game geek, the highest rated. Um, I and now I, I say this without having done full research on board game geek, but knowing the various Christian games that are out there, it's currently the highest rated Christian game um, on board game geek. And uh, so we're at hovering it at like an 8.7 with over 400 reviews now. And we have close to 210 star ratings out of that. And a ton of people are, you know, comment and, and that kind of thing. And we held number one ranking for, for the first time um, earlier this month. And so that was, that was pretty memorable. Like we're, we're doing something that is not just a flash in the pan. And uh, so that's where I guess that's my that's my memorable moment. Um, so anyway, uh, looking forward to an awesome 2024. And, uh, you know, I hope hope we get to do another 52 podcasts next year. And um, if we don't talk to you uh, in between now and next week, uh, have a happy new year and um and uh i don't know by deliverance and stay nerdy dad stay nerdy
Hey, nerdy. There you go. So, all right. We can just end that with every episode. Just just by deliverance. (laughs) All right. You want to, you want to end it for us? This is going to be a Rick with, uh, with two personalities here. Are you ready? This is, this is my really cool outro for, for us. And that wraps up another exciting episode of Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast. We hope you have found today's insights and stories both inspiring and informative as you navigate through the thrilling world of crowdfunding. Absolutely, SEO Wizard Rick. And don't forget to visit our website at crowdfunding or sorry, crowd, yeah, crowdfundingnerds.com for more resources, show notes, and exclusive content. Your journey to crowdfunding success is very important to us. We're here to support you every step of the way. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. So share your crowdfunding experiences, ask questions, or suggest topics on our Facebook group, crowdfunding community, whatever, at facebook.com. Yes. And if you join our podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends and your fellow crowdfunding enthusiasts. Your support means the world to us and helps us reach more amazing creators like you. And of course, join us again next week for more tips, tricks, and behind-the-scenes stories from the crowdfunding world. Until then, keep dreaming big and stay nerdy. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. For more resources, articles, and to listen to past podcasts, please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. And if you have a crowdfunding question, we also have a page on our site where you can send a message directly to us. Please visit crowdfundingnerds.com forward slash question. And if your question is a great question, we may include it in a future podcast. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.